Hi, and welcome to the Red Tunic Podcast, a podcast where I look to rediscover what makes gaming fun and enjoyable by having positive conversations with those related to the industry. My name is Link, and today I'm joined by Rami Ismail, Vlambeer co-founder, which has put out games such as Ridiculous Fishing, Nuclear Throne, and Luftrisers, currently working as a consultant, one-third of the Habibis podcast, and press kit maintainer. Hi, Rami. How are you doing today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. And also, thank you so much for uh, making time and agreeing to join me today. Oh, absolute pleasure. It seems like it'll be a, a fun chat. Fingers crossed. I don't think I've uh, ruined it for anyone yet. However, you know, um, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Ram, before we do get started, though, if you don't mind, could you maybe tell me and anyone listening a little bit about yourself, just so we have a better idea of who you are? Yeah, so I'm Rami Ismail. I'm a game developer. I've been making games in some form or capacity since I was probably like six years old. Like, they weren't any good, don't get me wrong. Like, it took a long time before I actually got good at what I do. Um, I um, founded a studio back in 2010. As you mentioned, Flambeer, we did a bunch of games that were really well received, that did really well. And then, sort of in the wake of that, I, I was um, raised Dutch Egyptian. And um, I, I kind of got curious about, you know, I saw other people making games in the Netherlands, but not necessarily so many in Egypt. I started sort of looking into how game development around the world is growing and whether it's accessible and whether it's equitable and whether it's fair. And uh, I've sort of made that my mission over the past 10 years to, to make the games industry more fair around the world. So um, really the things people know me for is either if people are gamers, they might know me from... Flambeer, from Nuclear Throne, from Ridiculous Fishing, from Luftrausers, all kind of games that sort of helped establish genres. If people are in industry, it's more likely they'll know me from my work doing advocacy for a more equitable games industry, or from my work on Presskit, which you already mentioned as well, which was free tools and, and other free uh, things that I tried to create as um, as ways to, to make the games industry uh, more democratized. So that's kind of what I do. Um, and then, yeah, I, I now consult um, with uh, with game studios. I'm working on dozens of games, just trying to help teams build healthy and, and constructive teams that make the best games they can possibly make. So, you know, thank you for explaining all that. And, you know, that's a really uh, admirable goal to, you know, to, to, to try and like, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, um, but I'll, I'll I'll roll it back a little to to something that you said that I I really like that I think will make it easier to understand uh, for anyone listening the the equitable part you know um, because a lot of people have trouble understanding um, you know uh, equality equitable I don't know the appropriate <laughs> way to like phrase that one after equality um, but you know introducing something like that to uh, game development or having that as like a focus of it, I think is really admirable just because we can always see, um, you know, how different studios work, how uh, capitalism general works and all of that fun stuff, not to like just aggressively brush it off to the side, but um, something that is often missing in a lot of ways is, is equitable uh, or equity, equity. Sure. Um, and I just think that's really admirable to be trying to introduce more into the system for everyone that can benefit from as opposed to just the you know aggressive capitalism machine and and you know we all we all know what that 
arguably can do or usually does. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I think just think it's Admiral. It's, you know, the whole, the whole Thank you. part I of think, that. I think it's also partially a little selfish. I, I mean, when you think about it, like I'm, I'm Dutch Egyptian and for me realizing that, uh, you know, when my parents decided that we would live in the Netherlands, like that was such a big, that's such a big part of my career. Like I, it gave me the visa that allows me to travel. It allowed me to get raised in a country where I got taught English very like, you know, fluently. Um, I, I had uh, lots of opportunities to make bad decisions in my life, like becoming a game developer and dropping out of university. Uh, all of these things would not have been possible if I was in Egypt, right? So part of it is, you know, I believe that there are kids like me out there that want to do the same thing, and I would hate to not be able to play their games in the future because they never got that opportunity. The, the other side of that, though, is I just really like video games. And the thing I've realized <laughs> is that video games are a reflection of the people that make them, right? Um, their culture, their artistic expression. People make games because they believe that certain things will be good or interesting. And part of that is how they were raised, the, the art they grew up with, the, the movies they watched, the music they grew up with, the games they played in the street or the board games or, or the languages that they speak. All of those things feed into what people make and i i realized this very deeply traveling the world but if you take like um you know if let's take, take like a very common genre if you take like war games right like uh, games about war if you, if you would look at a, a u.s game about war very frequently it will be about going to a faraway country to fight for some sort of like greater justice and kind of the worst thing that can happen in the game is that your main character dies, right? Because that's sort of the way the U.S. learns about war. It's this thing that happens abroad, and then not coming home is sort of like the, the scariest thing, right? That somebody would not come home. Um, but then you take something like Spec Ops The Line, which is a German-based game about war, and no matter how you play that game, the outcome is always very negative. Right, it's a game about shame and about guilt and about um, uh, making mistakes and whether war is ever worth it, and and that makes a lot of sense when you look at war from a German perspective. You know, the country that um, most famously known for for World War Two uh, when it comes to war. Um, uh, you know, the Germans grow up with a lot of shame around the topic of war and a lot of guilt around the topic of war. And it makes sense that a German-made game about war would have those values. And then you take a Polish game about war, and you get a game like This War of Mine, which isn't a game about going to war. It's a, war about, it's a game about war going to you and how you survive that as just mere citizens trying to survive in a place where everything is exploding and people are fighting, and you're just trying to stay alive. And to me suddenly seeing that at some point in my career, at some point in my travels, realizing that South African games have a very different flavor than a Dutch game, has a very different flavor than sometimes even within a country, right? If you take a game from the north of Brazil, it's going to be a different game than the south of Brazil. A game from San Francisco is going to be different than a game from New York. Um, when I started seeing that, I started realizing that if the if the world is more fair, we'll just get more games. We'll get more interesting games. We'll get more takes on games. We'll get more takes on genres and that. Yeah, that's just incredibly exciting to me. So, and you know, like I completely understand what you are saying, and like it's. I think 
I think maybe the best way to put it, um, maybe to summarize, I shouldn't say to put it, uh, in my opinion, is the emphasis on like representation mattering, right? Like I know a lot of people use that and it can mean a lot of different things. But in this case, um, you know, the representation mattering is the perspective of the people making the game and how that influences them. And, you know, as you, as you touched on, like the, with the war example with, uh, you know, several games that would, that can use it. Um, but like, you know, uh, the focus on the country or the person or the area's upbringing is going to 100% influence how their perspective of that game is presented. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think that's one of the reasons I really, uh, am impressed by a lot of indie games that are coming out from all over the place. And like, yeah. you'll see, you'll often see like common threads or common takes on things, um, in some one way or another, but then you have like the way that they are presenting those threads or those stories or what have you. And I just think it's fantastic when more, when more people with more or different life experiences or what have you, um, are able to have the opportunity to present that and express themselves in a way. And like, similar to what you said, like, uh, them being able to get their game played, um, you know, is being able to like help or be able to see that or what have you. It's just absolutely fantastic because, you know, the, it's the, one of like the, the best ways to, um, experience things from out of your own comfort zone. And I say comfort zone in, in air quotes here. Cause you know, um, there's a lot of people that just have like never left their, their city of like a hundred thousand people in their entire life. Right. Um, right. so that could be their comfort zone, but like just getting to experience things that are out of what they're used to can just hopefully like help people realize there's more to the world than, just what they know, just what they're used to, yeah. right? Like expand their mind, expand their, their, uh, views and, you know, all of that fun stuff, not to, not to diminish or brush it away. It's just, there's a lot of things that could be said to encompass it. So all of, yeah. you know, ex- expand their mind or what have you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, and I think that is obviously sort of where, you know, the games have that very unique, um, the possibility of making people, sort of like take different perspectives and and sort of inhabit them you know um i was talking about papers please earlier to somebody and just in in how incredibly powerful that game was about making very complex issues like uh corruption um very understandable very human uh it's not something you could easily do um but you know, through the systems, the game really sort of like plays with that and plays with that idea. And for me, that's just so powerful that any cultural expression, uh, you know, like games, gameplay, mechanics, rules, they, they all supersede language. Like you don't need to speak to each other to understand that if I kick a ball to you that I want you to kick it back, you know. Um, and I can play games with people from all around the world. So that means that they're this global language. I just want everybody to speak it. You know that that's that's my mission to allow anybody to speak the language of games. And whether you know how people are heard or how much people are heard, that's a secondary question. It's obviously an important question because it, it defines your opportunity of making games commercially. 
But the the first step is just making sure that everybody understands that they can make games and allowing them the tools to make games. And then, you know, it's a secondary thing to sort of create a commercial reality in which that is possible because the world works the way it does. And um, even though I don't love that, it, it's not worth... It's not it's not going to be possible in my lifetime to fix that. So instead, let's just make sure we make the best time, right? Yeah, and uh, yes, I understand completely what you're saying. And I, you know, I would... It would be wrong of me to try and argue otherwise. Um, because, yeah, like, you know, it's... At the end of the day, you know, it's we're we're a very long ways off from that changing, and at some point, you just kind of have to accept how to make it work best with the you know in with the situation or what have you, right? Um, right. And there's a better analogy I could have made there, but I'm I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't on, me, on my ball. It, it's very much the question of like, yes, I could try and fight this really big thing and maybe make a small difference. Um, but that's not the fight I'm good at. The fight I'm good at is this one, right? The thing I'm good at is doing this, which is trying to make what we have as accessible and as democratic and, and as fair as possible. I'm very good at that. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And then I hope that other people that are better at those things will fix those things. Um, and everybody gets to do their, their part, you know, like, and I think even just democratizing a space shows the value of these different perspectives and, and makes it more clear that it's valuable that those perspectives are heard. And, you know, that that's my little contribution to hopefully making the world a better place. And, you know, that that is a... I would say that's a pretty good uh, a view or, or stance or what have you um, to take because, you know, uh, a lot of people fighting little battles can can you know if the more that are fighting the little battles uh the better it's going to be in the long run as opposed to one person struggling really hard against a big battle just because you know yeah. uh something about in numbers i'm sorry i can't think of the right phrase but like strength in numbers there we go strength in numbers and you know um and how like that impacts so i understand what you're saying and i agree completely you know the more people that are doing what they can and doing it successfully the better it is in the overall health, you know, in the, in the bigger, in the bigger scheme of things. Now, I think, yeah. So Rami, I do want to ask this just because, you know, you had mentioned that you started, uh, you started making games when you were about six. Um, right. And, you know, and, and one of the, one of your, one of the first, I want to say commercial successes maybe, or um, one that got a lot of attention at least was ridiculous fishing so like mm -hmm. between the ages of six and that um how did you get into develop making game developing right. and making games i mean really what happened is you know early on when i was young um we didn't have this obsession with everything just working right like that that, that was sort of like an old the old mindset of computers is if they work, that's good enough, and they don't have to just work. Not everything had to feel like magic. That was sort of like Apple's approach to things. But back in the days, computers were um, very much controlled with code and with, with commands and, and, and terminals and command lines and stuff like that. So um, when I got to use my first computer, a really large part of it was 
just typing codes into things and very often those computers would come with tutorial files and one of those tutorial files was for a programming language called QBasic and the file was called Gorillas and it was a little video game and it was a two-player game and I would play that with, with friends or, or with family uh, but to play the game, you would have to load the code and then run the code. And I got curious about the code. I changed some stuff about the code. And now instead of the name of the game, it would show my name. And to me, that was fascinating that I changed words in text. And then when I played the game, it was a different game. So I, I went and just kept doing that and uh, broke it, broke the computer multiple times. My dad would have to go fix the computer so often. <laughs> um and um yeah from there i just kind of you know like i never played a game that was my first game gorillas was my first game and honestly the um the the honest the honest truth is from that point on the way i looked at games was always from that perspective as what can i change to make it different so my favorite games all were games that you know uh, had like level editors or uh, modding abilities or like the files were not encrypted so you could just change numbers in the files i turned strategy games into racing games in starcraft i made an rpg in uh you know age of empires i made campaigns in you know everything i tried to see how i could break it rework it rewrite it reapproach it um and that's what i did for like 15 years or something um and it was just, it was such a good time. I started working with some developers that were actually making things from scratch. Uh, I volunteered for a game studio. I, um, well, an indie game studio. Um, and then eventually I went to Game Design University when I learned that was a thing you could actually do. Uh, enrolled in it, had a terrible time, dropped out, started a game studio. And then the uh, first thing we did was actually not Ridiculous Fishing, but Radical Fishing, which is a Flash game. Um, then that Flash game made us some money. We did Super Crate Box, which won a bunch of awards. And then from that point, things kind of took off, and we very rapidly realized that with this new thing called the iPhone, the App Store, uh, that we wanted to do a version of Radical Fishing for uh, iPhones, for the App Store. So we did. And uh, yeah, that's when things got really weird. Um, I think there's, uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to, I don't know if this is a, the appropriate place to bridge that topic, but you know, for anyone, if I'm not mistaken, weird means a lot of different things in this context, does it not? I mean, it, it changed my life from being a indie game developer that has, or had traditionally like always been relatively poor, um, Nobody knew who I was or what I did. A few people knew in the indie scene. Um, and nobody had really played much of my work to somebody who had money, um, which allowed me to travel around the world and meet all those developers and start my work on, on making the industry more equitable. Um, but somebody who had, had resources, uh, somebody who uh, was known in the industry, and somebody who, like, you know, like... I met Elijah Wood, and Elijah Wood is a fan of my work. That's weird. Like, you don't meet Frodo Baggins and go like, hey. And they go like, <laughs> oh, you're really good fishing. That's awesome. 
um, you know, so so things just kind of got weird. Um, yes. The way to make a game of, of that skill, an Apple Design Award, uh, game of the year, uh, it worked with, I got on the Forbes 30, 30 under 30, we were BAFTA nominated, like, just, I was at, like, a Hollywood thing, where uh, that one guy that only played James Bond once, uh, what's his name? Uh, George Lazenby. George Lazenby gave me a back rub uh, <laughs> because he was trying to get out of. He was trying to get out of the. He was getting trying to get out of the room, but he wanted to do it sort of subtly. And we had a really good conversation. So he just stood. He as he got up, he stood behind me, put his hands on my shoulders, gave me a quick back rub, and basically said like, "Mate, it was a pleasure, but I'm out." And then just left. Uh, and he left in the most James Bond <laughs> possible way. And I was like, "Oh, I see what happened there." Um, but like, you know, life just kind of got weird. Uh, not what I expected to be doing at all. Um, so, you know, it basically life got weird. Like I, I have no better way of phrasing that sense. Yes, I understand. I understand completely the context that you were, you were meaning. I, I misunderstood and I was, um, uh, I was thinking you were, inf- uh, you were implying or inferring um, the, the, the constant battles with, um, and this is what I meant by, you know, probably not the platform or the place to discuss that, but the, the constant battles with all the clones and, um, and the fighting oh. there. I thought that's the route you were going with weird. Um, no. But, no, I completely understand. That, that was before the launch. That was, that was the, you know, like the, the weird thing about the game getting cloned is that happened before launch. And I think the, the beauty of that whole story to me is that it really, it taught me that bad things happen like bad things happen they they become part of your journey but it's not the the journey is not the bad thing happening to you it's what you do with the bad thing happening to you right because people sometimes ask me aren't you happy you got cloned because so many people paid attention to the story and i'm like no i'm not like it was awful like it, it ruined my life for uh like a good six months to a year but we got the team back together we got everything back together we rallied, we rallied the games industry behind us, we rallied international media behind us. Um, and the way we dealt with it allowed it to become what is, in hindsight, a, a clear victory. But it, it's, I don't love quoting famous people, but I think Steve Jobs once said, you can never connect the dots. You can only connect the dots in hindsight. And it's one of those cases, you know, like in hindsight, everything there happened exactly the way it, it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, I'm still not happy I got cloned. If I can go back and not be cloned, I would prefer that. Um, but I'm proud of how we handled it. And, you know, that makes complete and perfect sense. Because, you know, um, I, I've i never had something cloned like that. So I can't speak from a place of of um, knowledge, I guess you would say, in the same way that, you know, other people that have been in situations like yourself can. However, I... Th- I'm fairly confident that I could say it would not be a fun time. It would be nothing but headache and stress and, you know, like right. none headache and stress is never fun. So, you know, it's completely understandable why, you know, you would not have preferred that in the long run. Right. Like, you know, right. if you could redo and have that not happen again, would probably be a better thing for your, for your health, for your mental health, for, for, you know, just everyone involved. Um, but like you said, um, related or unrelated uh, to the cloning, 
um, you can only really connect the dots to everything once once the dust settles, right? Yeah. So, with that in mind, then, uh, Rami, and I don't know, I don't know where this one's going to go, just because, uh, you as you said, things got weird. Um, yeah. But do you have any words of wisdom that you could share from your experiences, from you know? how you got into making games or what have you surrounding the developing and making of games? I mean, I, I think in general, the, the thing about making games, it's, 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 it's an art, right? And the one thing I've realized about art is that the only way to get good at art is to, to focus on it, but not over-focus on it. Um, I think a lot of the best game developers I meet are people that love games make games, love making games almost more than they love playing games or definitely more than they love playing games um, and they find in it some sort of way of expressing themselves or their world or their reality, even if they're doing something as simple as like, you know creating trees or rocks for, for, for a triple A game like, there is a personal uh, craft and pride in it that, that, that is important to them but they're not so focused on it that they don't have any other part of their identity, right? Like, the best game developers I know love games, but they're also cooks, or they also love going on, on bicycle rides or road trips, or um, they draw, or they, um, they are obsessed with, like, 1970s documentaries, or whatever it is, right? Um, but, like spend time doing games but don't make it all you are because at that point you don't have anything new to say anymore you just say the things that already exist so you know thank you that is a i think that's wonderful advice in in you know for for games and in, in general really but you know the i think that's just wonderful advice because it goes kind of back to um earlier about who you are and what you've experienced and such feeding into what you do. And, you know, if you're exposing yourself to different things, I shouldn't say it that way, but, um, but like, you know, if, if you allow more than just one thing to be what you are, you're going to have all of that other stuff that can influence everything that you are. Right. So, you know, I think, thank you. I think that's just wonderful advice. Cheers. So, I am curious about this one and I don't know if it's going to be, and I'm curious because I don't know if it's going to be the gorilla game or if there was another game, if gorilla was kind of like the, um, the, the, uh, the appetizer or the, the, the moose bouche or whatever, however you want to yeah. use it. Um, but was, you know, what was the game that made you want to get into making right. games? And, you no, know, if it was it, gorilla, it, it, it that makes was. sense, but it, it was gorillas, yeah. No, I mean, there, there's a lot of games on that journey that that were part of that, and I think you can't really you can't really say it was just gorillas because that wouldn't have been it. Like StarCraft, Age of Empires, Urban Assault. There were so many games on the way. Um, uh, Quake, Unreal Tournament, um, so many games on the way there that that were a big part of it. But like, if you had to bring it back to like the singular moment where I kind of ended up on this life path, that it, it just, it just was gorillas. And it wasn't even that the game was particularly good or enjoyable or special. No, just straight up was that it was the thing that taught me that code and games are connected. 
and that you could change one by changing the other. And, you know, like I said, that's I didn't know where that was going to go because I've, I've asked this question before. And sometimes, you know, it's the, the very first thing that, like, got someone got their feet wet is just sort of like a, um, a back thought or a backdrop to, like, what comes next. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've had it, like, I can speak to, 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 you know, the fun of what you did with, like, Gorilla. And I, you know, because I've... I've followed tutorials for things before and like at the end product, you're like, Oh, this is cool. And then, you know, getting to get in there and start tweaking things and breaking things, um, can, can be a lot of fun and can be a lot, can really inspire you to see what else you can break or what else you can, yeah. um, tweak and do. And like you said, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the game that you start in gorilla, in this case, the game that you started with, uh, for whatever it did, um, you know, by the time you're finished, it's an entirely different thing. Has no, like, you know, if you held it up to a mirror, it wouldn't look anything like it or what have you. But, like, it's still, like, the process of all of that. And, it, you know, I can speak to that being just sometimes incredibly fun and crazy and uh, just seeing what dumb stuff you can do to make it work. Or, in your case, um, what you can do to break the computer and have to have your father come and redo everything to make it usable yeah. again. So, uh, Ramu, with that one in mind, then, um, we'll, we'll shift to a different question about a games in a kind of like in a, in a parallel, I guess. Um, but like, do you have a favorite game? Like, do you have a game that if you were to close your eyes and try and think about that, it instantly transports you to like, you know, a moment in your life and that every time you touch that game, you're back to that moment. Like, do you have a favorite game like that? And if so, you know, if you're okay of sharing it, what, what game is that? And like, why is that oh, your favorite? Yeah, there's, there's many, but, um, let's see. I mean, if you would ask me favorite game, it, it changes occasionally, but it, it's been fairly stably near automata, um, for the past, like, few years um i thought that was a really clever use as video games but it was really a game that only works if you uh, you know to use the earlier metaphor if you speak video games well near automata is is as far as i'm concerned close to a flawless sort of meditation on what games are um it was really interesting. I think part of part of why I like that is actually related to another game that I, I might, might mention, which is Final Fantasy XV. And it's specifically XV. I've always wanted a, a road trip game. That was the first road trip game. But that game has a very specific meaning to my life, which is that it was the first video game I convinced my mom to play. And at the time, my mom was in her early 60s. And uh, she'd been following my career forever, but she'd never really played a game. And... Um, I just kind of caught her off guard at one day. We're just like, hey, what if I just, you know, put a put a PlayStation down here and we'll just try you playing a video game. And we, um, she ended up learning Dual Stick on Final Fantasy and then played through all of Final Fantasy 15. And I think that game and just sitting with my mom on the couch and just sort of like watching her learn video games was fascinating. But then it also realized, it also made me realize just how much I have been sort of inundated with the video games language. Like, 
you know, you, you like the thing that video games kind of make sense, but watching my mom play, I, w- I wasn't entirely sure anymore because she, I don't know, did you play Final Fantasy Fifteen? I have not actually had the chance to. I um, oh. The short and long of it is um, I have to be careful with RPGs just because they're huge <laughs> time sinks, right? So I have to, like, find a time that I'm comfortable slotting one in. That's the short and long of it. But anyway, sorry, back to you. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. So early on in Final Fantasy fifteen, you come across this character um, named Arden, and Arden is very clearly the Japanese trope of an unreliable antagonist. They they might be an antagonist, but they might also not not be an antagonist, or they might not 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 be an antagonist. So <laughs> they're, they're kind of presented in this sort of ambiguous but like kind of sneery way, where they could turn out to be a secret ally in the third act of the game, but they could also turn out to just be the bad guy all along, right? And you come across him in a place called Golden Key, where he sort of like sneers at you. And he's he's wearing all black, and like one of his arms has like the the way his garb is, it kind of looks like a wing, and he has this hat, and he has this long purple hair, and he kind of sneers at you, you know, like he, like he has like this little theme song that is like a, the, his musical theme is like a little discordant, like it just doesn't, it it's not, he just he has this vibe, you know, that just is off, and I was so excited for mom to meet Arden, because this was like day five or six of her playing, and she'd done some wild stuff. She'd rejected the opening quest because she was asked to bring a package from town A to town B, and she's like, I'm a crown prince. I'm not. I'm not not bringing a box. And I was just like, okay, you know what? Let's see if she, how she reads Arden as a character. You know, like how, how did like it, Am I reading so much into that because I've played so many games, or is this just genuinely sort of like, okay, he's kind of iffy? So she calls me because she would call me every day when she just started gaming. She calls me and she goes, Well, Rami, I, I got the golden key, and there was this really shady man. And I'm like, Uh huh, tell me about <laughs> it. And she's like, Yeah, I don't know. He was just, he was wearing all black and he was being kind of weird, and I talked to him, and I'm like, uh-huh, and she's like, yeah, and then he just went like, hey, you want to buy guns? And I'm like, wait, what? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Do you want to buy guns? She's like, yeah, he was just like, you want to buy, you want to buy, like, knives and guns and, like, other stuff? And I'm like, what? what? She's like, so I ran away. I'm like, okay, so I booted up the game, and I went to Golden Key, and it turns out, right before where you meet Arden, right before that trigger zone, there's a shopkeeper. And he's just standing in the corner with the shopkeeper icon above him, and he's wearing all black. And my mom talked to him, and yes, the guy goes, hey, you want to buy guns? Because it's a shopkeeper. But to my mom, that was a random dude standing on a dock going, hey, you want to buy guns? So my mom was like, nope, I don't trust this. And she ran away. So she never got to Arden. She never got to that trigger zone because she got scared (laughs) by the shopkeeper. And I was just like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. If I came across a random guy that went, hey, you want to buy a bazooka? I'd be like, yep, nope, I don't want to talk to you. Um, But my mom was bringing 60 years of life into video games, and I'm bringing 30 years of video games into life. And they're different, you know, they're different ways of coming at games. But for me, Final Fantasy XV will always remain the game that, that um, that I attach to my mom, I think. Um, 
and then finally i i would have to say destiny but that's just because it's been my it's been my capital g game for the past 10 years now um i've always been a big bungie fan and destiny hits every button for me like i'm a big lore nerd i love games with too much lore uh i love action games they have such good game feel uh great social experience i use it as skype i use it as discord you know to catch up with friends i'll just play destiny with them um so yeah many 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 games that mean so much to me um and that's not even getting into indie stuff you know that's just the the big ones so <laughs> um uh thank you thank you for all that i'm the one, the thing I'm going to focus on the most, though, in through everything you just said, you know, I, I, yes, I agree. Nier Automata is a fantastic game. I think mm-hmm. um, that Yoko Taro does a fantastic job with all of the things that he directs, subverting uh, expectations or making um, a game game, um, or in some cases, uh, a game where he doesn't want you to enjoy yourself. Anyway, Yoko Taro does great work. Um, I understand what you're talking about for, for destiny. Uh, but the thing, <laughs> the thing I'm focusing on the most is, um, the, the absolute wonder of or pleasure. I, I should say that you probably had getting to experience final fantasy five through your mother. Um, yes, because that, <laughs> the the thought of 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 coming across a shopkeeper which like as you said for someone that's not aware of you know the, how the games typically work uh having someone dressed in black standing in the corner off to the outside of the area of you know what have you um saying you want to buy some guns um <laughs> you know i can I completely understand the response of going, oh, I got to get out of here. This is not, this yeah. is a shady place for, you know, and even going back further with her saying, I'm the prince. I'm not going to be doing, you know, these, these back and forth right. deliveries, get, get the post office to do it. So like for someone that's investing and role playing the character that well, um, regardless of how sheltered a priest may or sorry a prince may be mixed with you know this being your mother's 60 years or so of life experience and not game experience saying this is not the place for the prince right now i got to run um yep. <laughs> it's, it's incredible actually, yes she's she's the first time i realized that it's really weird that all of us gamers have agreed that a cracked wall means we need to break it like that's structurally really unsafe to the building and my mom actually asked about one time when there was a crack wall she's like hey if i break this does the building come down i'm like that's a very fair question it won't that's just shorthand (laughs) for there's a secret behind here she's like oh okay um yeah no she's been playing games for like almost five years now she's done everything shadow of the colossus dragon age persona um, uh, she's doing God of War Ragnarok right now. Uh, she's played the Horizon games. Um, you know, like my mom has played a lot of video games by now. So, uh, you know, I I feel like we've reached the point where my mom is relatively fluent in video games, and actually she recognizes things like you know the the little camera pull in a third person game that kind of says like, hey, you're in control of the character again. That kind of stuff. She now recognizes that, and that's that's just fascinating to have seen her 
grow into games and she she loves games like she she spends uh, you know one or two hours every other day playing playing games and she she always says she's gotten entirely new worlds um added to her life and i i think that's just incredible so yeah again thank you for thank you for sharing uh the the about your mother i should say thank you for sharing your mother in this situation um yeah because that's that's absolutely magical to hear just because like you know i think and i think what i'm gonna say is gonna resonate really well with you and anyone else but like when you've been playing games for so long you know the it's a lot harder for the magic and the wonder to to re-experience that for the first time right like um you know you can you can play games and you really only get to experience that once or twice and when you've been doing it for you know your entire life that once or twice in a lot of these cases was you know like years and years ago in my case like i'm 35 that's you know over 30 years ago i had those first experiences and you yeah and i you know and it's rare now to have them again. And when it happens, I'm, you know, it's, it's a wonderful thing just because it's like, oh, this, this game is, you know, as weird or what have you as to say, oh, it's making me feel again, but it's, you know, it's you, you're reading, re-experiencing that feeling again. Um, but like being reminded that that is something that happens um, is, is just fantastic. And I'm, like I said, I'm, thank you for sharing that, but sharing your mother. And I'm, you know, I, I imagine it's just been wonderful getting to re-experience a bunch of that, those like first time feelings again through her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been wonderful. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry though. The, uh, the, 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 just the mental image of someone rolling up on a shopkeeper and being like guns. Oh no, this is not for me. I got to I got to go. It just, you know. Yeah. So sensible. So sensible. Yes. yes, you know, like it's it's very sensible even in the context of certain things. You know, yep. you'd have to be like, "Oh, no, sorry. I I just I just beat someone down with a bat over there cuz they seem dangerous, but you also yeah. seem dangerous. I should yep. I shouldn't be conversing with you." Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, try to re uh, recompose myself to uh, to not just have to roll back to that thought process again, and try at least until later. You know, I, I, I can re revisit that in my own time and laugh about yeah. uh, you know the joy of of knowing someone that something like that has happened and existed. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna ask this, and you know, I don't know how it's going to go because you kind of touched on it with you know how you enjoy destiny um and you know it's it's you know the social aspect and and what have you so mm -hmm. i don't know if this is going to be kind of similar or or what have you but you yeah. know how do you enjoy gaming now and like what is it that you enjoy about gaming right now? yeah that's a good question because obviously having having become a game developer i i know game developers at pretty much every major studio like their friends their colleagues people that i've met people that are fans of me people that i'm a fan of so obviously i don't look at games the same way i used to. and and right somebody once explained it to me as it's like it's like uh, magicians 
you know either you know the trick and you can appreciate it for not understanding how it works uh, either you don't know the trick and you can understand it for not knowing how it works or you know the trick and you can appreciate it for how well it's executed and i'm, I'm at the point where for most games i enjoy them for how well they're executed you know for oh my god that's clever oh my god that's smart oh that's such a good twist that's such a smart way of looking at it oh the production on this must have been really rough like i can't believe they had the confidence to do something like this so I'm, I'm looking at games in a very different way than i used to it's very rare that a game sort of recaptures that like you know where i'm just so off balance by what what is happening in in the game or, or what they made that i genuinely just forget to think about that and it's usually just for a moment where there's just a moment that's so well done that the magic sort of like grabs again but the way i experience games is mostly as a magician that knows how the trick is done so i look at it and i'm like oh my god that's really good execution on that sleight of hand oh my god that's really that's a really good sort of like uh way of capturing the audience's interest um and that's uh, honestly I, i've really enjoyed that i've really enjoyed looking at games that way um and it makes it extra special when a moment or or a sequence in a game makes me forget about it so i understand you know i can understand what you're saying and you know thank you for sharing that but i i i definitely understand what you're saying because the when you when you start to and for you, it's probably going to be even more, um, I don't want to say aggressive, but something you notice even more. But like, you know, when you start noticing standard tropes or, or story elements or, or what have you, um, you start expecting them and waiting for them, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, um, you're, when you know what's coming, your mind can build something up. And being able to, you know, instead be impressed by, how it's delivered like you said you know the seeing you know seeing the sleight of hand and going oh that's that's a nice sleight of hand you know i i think that's a really interesting approach or a take just because uh it makes sense right like when you when you know you know when you know the the train wreck ah oh, that's a bad example <laughs> um uh, <laughs> but when you know when you know the big set piece is coming um and you have an idea of what the player, like what the characters are going to be similar to the final fantasy with, uh, with Arden, I believe you said his name was like, you yeah. see him and you're like, Oh, I, I, I have an idea. I have this guy pegged. You have an ex expectation of what's yeah. probably going to happen and having it done, even if it's, even if you were like, Oh, I knew it, but having it done in a way that's like better than what you expected or, um, like that set piece being even bigger than what you would have ever expected right. or planned or what have you. So, you know, I get what you're saying. And like, I, I, well, at least I think I get what you're saying. And I, you know, I, that makes perfect sense. Cause then you can appreciate the journey as yeah. well as the end result. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very much about, you know, I, I think of it as a craftsperson looking at a craft. It's like, I, you see, you see what they're doing, and you see how they're doing it, and and the sort of like effort and love and care that must have gone into something, and it just makes it more beautiful to me. Thank you. That is a far better analogy that I think is more approachable or understandable. Um, but no, that yes, thank you. That makes perfect sense as well. Yes. So, Rami, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. However, I do want to 
ask this question. I do want to throw it out there. And outside of games, what do, what do you do? What do you enjoy doing? What do you do to relax? I know that, um, you know, anyone that may follow you on Twitter um, knows you fly planes. Um, I do. So, you know, what, like, I don't know how much of that builds into uh, outside of games and how you, like, what you do to relax or what have you. But, you know, outside of gaming, who are you? What do you do? What is, uh, what is, what is so, it, things for fun? I'm 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 a fairly boring person I I think uh in general like I wake up my days at a set time I have breakfast at a set time I have my routines I practice piano uh I do a, a little bit of a workout um I like cooking uh so I cook like almost almost every day uh when I'm at home uh, when I'm traveling obviously don't really have that luxury um and then, yeah, sort of the, the things where things get a little weird again is I've always wanted to be a, a pilot. So I, I fly airplanes, uh, Cessnas, Pipers, small single-engine airplanes. That's been a really, um, really lovely hobby because it takes my mind off of everything else. Like, if you're flying, you've you got to be focused on flying. Um, it's kind of important. Um, I like Lego. Uh, I build a lot of Lego. I've realized that the reason I build Lego is because Lego tells me what to do, and when I do it, it works out. <laughs> um, which, as an entrepreneur, that is like an amazing feeling to have somebody else tell you, like, do this, this, and this, and then it just works. It's great. It's awesome. Um, and um, yeah, beyond that, you know, I don't really do all that much. I have friends watch movies i don't really watch tv series uh play board games um i like road trips but i'm in the netherlands so it's a small country so i mostly do that when i'm abroad um i i have a very set routine you know like saturday i visit mom on sunday i visit dad um and i think i just kind of need that anchoring because so much of my life is so ridiculous that um, having other things be stable is is really important to me. So, yeah, fly airplanes, play piano, and cook. I think that would be the the thing. I read a lot as well. I don't know. Just just I just do things. I think. So you know, I I am a fan of the statement. I just do things. I've um I've personally been using I do and I don't do things for years, and I you know I'm just hearing someone else say I do things with a question mark is, is fantastic to me just because it's the question mark is so important. Just so right. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I do things. I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, as you were, as you were trying to, or I, I shouldn't say as you were trying, but as you were kind of struggling there with, you know, trying to quantify what it is you do, but like a lot of, you know, and the reason I asked this because uh, as mundane as it might sound to you right um you know and you kind of said having your own grounding your own anchoring i think it's also important when talking to um to game developers or or people in general that are part of industries that are kind of um i don't want to say smoke and mirrors have like a curtain behind them uh, up in front right. of them and you have to like pull it apart behind um you know a lot of people sometimes just forget behind that curtain is a person that you yeah. know likes to read likes to you know plays the practices playing the piano does lego um you know it's i i use humanizing 
but not to like the full extent in this scenario because it's kind of like you know weird uh uncomfortable almost even for me to put it in this context but like it 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 lets other people see that like oh no it's just another human like it's just yeah. it's it's someone like my brother my my uncle it's like they're you know and so you know I, yes the, i understand the question mark is because it's you know for for us like when you answer that personally from a personal level you're just like well it's just what i do i guess right like right but you know thank you for sharing that is where i'm really getting to That's right now because um you know thanks it, for asking yeah no no problem like i said it's i the idea of being able to like make it harder for people to be upset at game developers um because <laughs> they like change the you know the gun damage of their favorite destiny weapon or what have you like yeah. you know anything that makes it easier for someone to not be mad because it's an actual person and not just like a corporate cog right um because you know you we all have that problem i think and you know forgetting that you rammy are a person that likes to cook and visit your mother on saturday and your father on sunday like you know it's it's hard sometimes looking just looking at like the games of it and just not right. remembering that yeah. people are people yep yeah and and you know I, i've made that mistake in the past as well and i've been fortunate enough to work in this industry and see behind the curtain enough that i can't see games without seeing the people behind them anymore you know things like this do help so that's why i said thank you for asking like it's not a question i get all that often um but it, i i obviously like those are all things i enjoy about my life so i like talking about them so i appreciate you asking yeah and you're you're very welcome you know and also to speak to you know how you said you were susceptible to that and like that's partly why i'm trying to do what i'm doing with the podcast just because <laughs> i've myself have been susceptible to that and you know um being able to quickly address it instead of becoming incredibly toxic is only good for the community right like the more yeah. though i should say the less people are toxic so the more we have less toxic people the healthier everything's going to be hopefully in the long run um i hope and or think I, so. I hope so too uh but anyway Remy, i did not mean to go down a weird um pseudo philosophical no, what have you there but but um but thank you for for uh answering the question and thank you for you know sort of sitting there through a weird um Much rant slash preaching no i think i, I mean <laughs> it makes it makes it makes very clear what your sort of like thesis is for this podcast and that that's always cool like i like you i love hearing why people do what they do you know and and why people take uh, you know, like making a podcast, I, I run the Habibis. I know it's a lot of work to do. So hearing why you do that for me also is just, just you know, really interesting. So, you know, thanks for sharing uh, the, the same way you say that. Like, and it's it's cool. Like people just do things because they see that there is a need or a want or an opportunity. Um, and when that combines with like personal interest and that motivation to do it, beautiful things can happen. And, you know, something like this podcast is, is a great example of that. So, you know, thanks for sharing. Thank you. You're very welcome. And thank you for your kind words, I think is the best thing to say to that. Um, however, Rami, like I said, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So 
if there was anything else you did want to discuss, you know, a cool game, what else you're doing, or something you feel more people should be more aware of, by all means, the floor is yours. As you know, as well, please let everyone else know where they can find more information about you, and I'll make sure to include that information in the episode description. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, if people are listening, I think they already understand that the people in the industry are people, so I don't really have to uh, remind people of that. But um, I, you know, I would always ask, like, if, if you can, try and see if you can find some games from places that you normally wouldn't look for games for, whether that's a different store or a different place or uh, hopping on itch.io or looking for games from specific countries. Uh, there's incredible stuff being made that doesn't always rise to the top, and it's just worth for fun just exploring that sometimes. Um, if you want some recommendations, I post recommendations all the time, so if you want to find me on the internet, at this point, while Twitter is still alive, you can find me on Twitter, <laughs> T-H-A underscore Rami, uh, but you can also find me on Blue Sky, on Instagram, on uh, my own website. I have a newsletter. If you are interested in game development and you want to learn more, you can find that as well. So all of that you can find on RamiAsmail.com. Uh, all the links, all my social media, ways to contact me or follow me. So if you want to stay in touch, find me there. And um, yeah, that I think... Oh, if you want to check out my mom's gaming adventures, you can find her on twitch.tv slash momvsffxv mom versus Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> so... Thank you for, for that, for the shout out back to your mother, because I think, you know, um, I think other people might be just as interested uh, to experience that magic as you are, or as you were able to, you know? Um, yeah. As for it's everything great, else, oh, sorry? It's a great no commentary gameplay uh, stream. If you want to watch games without commentary... Mom does not do commentary. She does not have a mic. She just shares so that if she gets stuck... Some people from the community or I can look and like help her out. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a very practical stream. Uh, which, you know, I think makes it even more endearing uh, because, mm. you know, it's a very, um, like you said, it's, it's, has a, it's a, a very singular purpose, and that is to get help when help is needed, right? Yep. Or required, sorry. Uh, but outside of that, you know, definitely we'll, we'll put all that information in the episode descriptions for you. So that way people can follow and learn more about you or more um, about you that we didn't cover here, I guess, is the way to say it. Mm -hmm. But as I said again, Rami, if there, Rami, if there wasn't anything else, I will let you get on of your day. All right, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciated this. No, you're, you know, the pleasure was all mine. Thank you. I'm glad we were able to, to make it work. I'm glad we were able to, you know, talk. It was fun getting to speak with you. Same thing. Have a good one. So thanks again to Rami for making time to have this conversation with me. And thank you for joining us on the Red Tunic podcast, as well as a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for the use of music from the title track from Road Steep. And be sure to check out the episode description for links to socials, websites, and other means that allow you to learn more about or support Rami and the podcast. And while you're doing that, be sure to like, follow, and be sure to share with those you think might also enjoy it. Thanks. Till next time.